Hello, it's great that you can be joining us in Midweek Devotions. My name is Costa. Now's the time for us to look at what the Bible says and do that together. In this season of our podcast, we're looking at names of God. Today, it is Elohim. Our first reading is from 1 Kings 18. So if you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Kings 18 or follow along as I read that passage soon. It's the well-known story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Now, as I read the story, I'll be slotting in Elohim into the text. That is, I'm going to take the Hebrew word Elohim and put it into the English. And I confess that is going to sound confusing, but hopefully it'll help us see how often Elohim is used, who Elohim is used of, and ultimately what does Elohim mean. So 1 Kings 18, starting at verse 22. Elijah said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your Elohim, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The Elohim who answers by fire, he is Elohim. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your Elohim, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, surely he is an Elohim. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are Elohim in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are Elohim and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried out, The Lord, He is Elohim. The Lord, He is Elohim. Amen. Now, on the one hand, that was a slightly confusing Bible reading. But hopefully you got a sense of how often Elohim is used, uh, who it is used of, and you've begun to see what Elohim means. 
Well, let's pray and ask for God's help so that we would know what it means so that we can live in light of his name, so that we can respond to Elohim. Let's pray. Our dear God, thank you that you have revealed your name because it helps us know who you are. And so today, help us to understand Elohim, what it means and how we ought to respond. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Who has power and authority in the world today? Is it nations such as the US, China or India or corporations like Facebook, Apple and Google? How about all those influencers and their millions of followers or is it religion and their billions of followers? Some people say that they have no power in the world today. Uh, In the face of nations and corporations and influencers, people can feel weak, defeated, powerless. Well, the name of God that we are looking at today is all about power. And the good news is that God's power is for us. It is for our comfort and confidence. And that brings us to God's name, Elohim. Now, generally speaking, Elohim means God. Whenever you see God in the Old Testament, whether it's capital G or lowercase, that is Elohim. And the first time that we meet this word is in the very first sentence of the Bible. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, one of the unique features of Elohim is that it is plural. Now, some people think that this refers to the Trinity or polytheism, but it doesn't mean either. Rather, Elohim, its plurality, means the greatest God of all, the supreme one, the mighty one, the ultimate all-powerful one, the God of gods. And so therefore, Elohim expresses ultimate supremacy, power and authority, majesty and mastery. Elohim is the sum of all power. And speaking of sums, uh, sometimes Elohim is shortened to L and other words are added to it, which paint an even more powerful portrait. For example, El Shaddai, that means God Almighty, or El Elyon, the Lord Most High. These constructions add further weight to Elohim's ultimate power and authority. But having said that, Uh, Elohim can also be used to describe lesser powers. So, for example, Moses is called Elohim as he goes to speak to Pharaoh. There, Moses is God's representative, uh, possessing God's power and authority. Angels are also described as Elohim. In Psalm 8, where it says, You made people a little lower than the heavenly beings. Well, literally, that is, you made people a little lower than the Elohim. Elohim is also used to refer to the gods of other nations. As the first commandment says, you shall have no other Elohim before me. So generally speaking, Elohim means God, capital G or lowercase. And it can also refer to other powers and authorities, whether it's humans or angels. But ultimately, Elohim refers to God Almighty, the God of gods, the sum of all power, the God with all power and authority, mastery and majesty. And that's why the first time we meet Elohim is in creation, is in Genesis 1. In fact, Elohim occurs 32 times just in that first chapter. And there we see Elohim's power and authority. 
Elohim creates out of what is formless and empty. When we make something, well, we've got to start with something. Yet Elohim powerfully creates out of nothing. And Elohim creates with just a word. Uh, Elohim creates effortlessly. There is that phrase that says, and he made the stars. It's almost like a throwaway line. Yet that is how easy it is for Elohim to create as he flings stars into space. And so creation demonstrates Elohim's power and authority, majesty and mastery. And to cap it all off, humans are created in the image of Elohim. Both male and female are made in the image of God. And in turn, Elohim gives people dominion over creation, to look after it, to share it, to enjoy it. However, people misuse and abuse their power. Uh, People have dominion, but sadly they dominate. And that is why people can feel weak, defeated, powerless. Also, people are in the habit of reducing the Elohim of all creation to lesser Elohims. Yet Elohim is still determined to bring people to himself. And that brings us to Elijah. He is a prophet. He is someone who represents Elohim. Perhaps you can tell that already from his name. So we have El, and that refers to Elohim, and Yah, which refers to Yahweh, God's personal name given to his people. And so Elijah's name reflects who he represents. And Elohim sends Elijah because his people have turned away. They are no longer worshipping the Elohim of their creation, the Elohim of their covenant, but another Elohim, that is Baal. And so on Mount Carmel, Elijah challenges them. The Elohim who answers by fire, well, surely he is Elohim. Whoever wins this battle is the one who has ultimate power and authority. And so this challenge is to see who is truly El. Now, it's meant to be a clash of the titans, but it's not even a contest. One side doesn't even turn up. The prophets of Baal cry out for hours to no avail. And then Yahweh demonstrates his power and authority by sending fire. And the whole altar is wushka. And the people's response? Well, in 1 Kings 18, when all the people saw this, they cried, The Lord is El, the Lord is El. The people recognize that Elohim has all power and authority. And on this day, their hearts turn back to Elohim. But sadly, not for long. However, Elohim still remains determined to bring people to himself. And that brings us to Jesus. Jesus is also someone who represented Elohim. But what sets him apart from, say, Moses and Elijah is that he is Elohim in the flesh. And we can see this in his life and ministry. Uh, Jesus brings people to himself as he eats and drinks with them. But Jesus also demonstrates astonishing power and authority. He exercised mastery over creation by calming the storm, numerous healings, casting out demons and raising people from the dead. And how did he do this? Well, with mere words. And it was effortless. It was not a battle. And so Jesus demonstrated power and authority like Elohim did in creation. 
And the crowds themselves recognized Jesus as someone who taught with authority and not like the other teachers. And so Jesus in his life and ministry reflected Elohim's power and authority. But he died. And on the cross he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sebektani, that is, my El, my El, why have you forsaken me? The crowds think that he's calling Elijah. Perhaps in some way he could come to his aid and rescue. But like the prophets of Baal, Jesus' cries seem to fall on deaf ears. He is crushed by the powers that be, seemingly defeated. Even Jesus was powerless. But that was Friday. Three days later, by God's power and authority, Jesus is raised from the dead. And now Jesus is at God's right hand. He has dominion over all creation. For example, we know the Great Commission where Jesus says, go into all the world. But the line before that says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And so Jesus has dominion over creation. We can see this in his life and work, uh, death and resurrection. We can truly see that Jesus is Lord. And by faith in him, he turns people's hearts to God. And he does so once for all. And so in Romans 8.38, it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is, there is nothing and no one bigger than him. And so, yes, at times we can feel weak, powerless, maybe even defeated, But we are more than conquerors because our faith is in the one who has conquered all powers and authorities. And so Jesus' power and authority is for us. It is for our comfort and confidence. Because of who he is and what he has done, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that is why today we can echo the people in Elijah's day we can cry out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that Jesus is Lord. We can see that in his life and ministry, all that he'd done, but even more so, we can see that in his death and resurrection. Because he has been raised, that means that our hearts have been turned to you, and it means that nothing, absolute nothing, can separate us from the love of God. And so help us to know this and cling on to it when we feel weak, when we feel like a bit of a failure, when we feel like defeated. Help us to know that we are more than conquerors because Jesus has conquered all. Help us to know that no matter what is going on in the world, what is going on in our lives, we can know Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us in midweek devotions. Next week, we'll be continuing our season in looking at names of God. Until then, uh, know that Jesus is Lord. Thanks.